Well, good morning, Shelby Christian. How are y'all doing this morning? Would y'all stand up on your feet, greet some people around you as we begin to worship together?
Come on, church, let's praise him today.
go. Thank you. Like many of you, this entire week, my life has been consumed with the Olympics. Um, all of a sudden, I'm a professional when it comes to badminton and table tennis and fencing and rowing and everything else. But every single morning, that's the first thing I go to on the iPad. And at night, it's become a family of, uh, event where we're all paying attention, glued to the television. What will the United States of America do? And if you've been following along this week, Simone Biles is a name uh, many of you already recognized and you're learning this week. An amazing young lady, an amazing athlete, but got to the point where she said, I have to check out. Mental health has been publicized and discussed and debated and broadcasted across social media this entire week. She said, my, my mental health, my mental state of my mind uh, is priority number one right now and is not where it's supposed to be. Some people said, hey, she's, she's backing out or she's soft or she's weak or, hey, they're giving her praise. I mean, she's, she's putting herself first over everything, all this glory over everything else. Um, and I wonder this morning when we're coming to this time of communion, not what is our mental health, but what is our spiritual health? If you look in scripture, in the four gospels, any big powerful moment that Jesus had, as soon as he's done, he spends time with his father. He's alone. And I wonder why that was. Maybe it was for mental health. Maybe it was to find where his bearings are. That's what she's saying. She's saying, man, I'm running around, I'm spinning around, and I don't know what's up, what's down, what's left, what's right. Or maybe it was a spiritual check. My father in heaven, is this exactly what you wanted? Is this exactly the words I was to present? Are these exactly the actions you wanted us to display? As a coach, I would ask athletes all the time, how's your head? How's your heart? And how's your legs? Legs being physical, your head being mental, but your heart... It was a form of ministry. Hey, spiritually, where are you at? May I challenge you, may I challenge us this morning to have a spiritual check, to check on our spiritual health. In these next few moments, go to our Heavenly Father and say, here I am. I'm vulnerable. I'm transparent. We're a complete observation, a check. And so we see where I'm at this morning. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit consume us take over running a full evaluation of our spirit there's nothing to hide when it comes to you three so may we open up may we come to the point and say it's all yours may we reflect on the gift that's been given to us and let us be reminded that for our spiritual growth, for our spiritual health, Jesus, you have to be there. All these things we ask in your name we pray. Amen.
I'll be crucified with 
Amen, church. Y'all can grab a seat. There we go. One of the things, the cool things that I got to do on vacation was just uh, kind of share with a lot of my friends. And one of the coolest things I saw, just think of that walk-up music. I was so, I'm not, I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan, I know, I'm suffering for years, but I'm still living in the 70s, you know, that's when I grew up. But I'm not a St. Louis Cardinals fan at all. Sorry, I'm not. Um, but I am now. At least for one guy, because they got a guy in their team that is using a David Crowder worship song as his walk-up music, uh, and it's called Good God Almighty, and it's the coolest thing. I was watching it. It starts playing when he walks up, and there's an echo part in the song on his worship CD, and the whole crowd is singing the echo part uh, when he walks up to the plate, and I was like, I can get behind that. I like walk-up music. I'm glad you guys are here today. Uh, it's good to be back. Thanks for allowing not only myself, but other staff to have great vacation time and to have time away. And I just loved watching online every week and listening to Jason teach. And it was phenomenal. And I just love that series. And you guys should know a whole lot about King David by now. You, you've got, you've got the story of King David. We want this next series is going to be a lot of fun because we're calling it Playground. And, and as the bumpers kind of indicated, a whole lot of the really important lessons that we learn in our life, we learn on the playground. We learn when we're young. And so we're going to dig into that for the next six weeks this morning. I want you to get your Bibles out and open to John 17. We're going we're gonna to dig in there and some things that Jesus taught, just some real simple lessons. Now, don't forget next week, we're glad you're with us online this morning. If you're online, we're glad you're here with us on campus, if you're here on campus. But nobody's going to be on campus next week, all right? Remember that. Next week is our Rock the Creek, our annual trip to the park. So we will be at the Clear Creek Park Amphitheater at 10 o'clock next Sunday morning. Uh, and so we hope that every it's going to be a whole big combined worship service. Uh, all three of our worship services, our Hispanic services, every, everything is out there next week at the park at 10 o'clock. And I'll tell you more about that at the end of the service. So don't forget that. But it's a great week. It's a great week to come. It's a great week to kind of get back in the habit. So if you're online, you haven't been here, it's a great week to kind of come and share with friends. And who's your one? Because next week is one of those kind of weeks that it's a perfect week to invite your one. Say, hey, just come out to the park. Check out what happens at our church when we go up, the church leaves the building. But today in this brand new series we're calling Playground, it's all about learning to get along with others. Probably a lot of you guys have read the book, seen the book, or at least heard about the book that was first published in 1986 by Robert Fulgham called All I Really Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. There's a lot of truth in that comment, just in that say the basic things about life 
that we learn in kindergarten. He made a list of the top 10 things, and, and here you can see the top 10 things he said. Number one, that we share everything. Number two, that we play fair. Number three, don't hit people. Number four, put things back where you found them. Number five, clean up your own mess. Number six, don't take things that aren't yours. Number seven, say you're sorry when you hurt someone. Number eight, we've been reminded of this one of late. Wash your hands. <laughs> number nine, flush. And I like number 10, warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Those are basic, just, just simple things that we, we learned in kindergarten. And some of those are basic life lessons that we earn at that early stage in life. And they seem so simple. They seem so simple that you would think you would never need to be reminded of those things. And yet we found for the last two years, suddenly adults have needed to be reminded to wash their hands. Simple things that we should have known all of our life. And, and sometimes we just need to be reminded. Major League Baseball players, every year in February, they go to spring training to be reminded about how to field ground balls and how to throw properly. Football teams go to summer camp and, and they be reminded how to block and tackle and do all those things because there's just this thing about us that sometimes we just need to be reminded even of the basic things in life. There are some lessons that Jesus taught in the beginning of his ministry and the Sermon on the Mount and then throughout the rest of the Gospels that are so simple. I mean, they're just like so simple. Everything we needed to know, we learned in kindergarten. That's kind of like pre-elementary. It's kind of almost like the extension of preschool because those are pre-learning things that we just need to know. And Jesus taught some things that are so simple that we shouldn't have to be reminded of them. I don't know what you've noticed, but I keep recognizing more and more every day. It's obvious that we live in a world that needs to be reminded of some simple things. Some of these lessons are the same lessons that Fulgham says he learned in kindergarten, wrote about in his book. So we're going to be reminded of some basic things we can learn on the playground of life about learning to get along. This first one we want to talk about today that we're going to look in John chapter 17 is all about choosing teams. Do you remember in kindergarten, or maybe it was first grade for you, or sometime early in life, do you remember that day on the playground, the first day that you were on the playground when they actually chose teams? Do you remember that? A couple of people step up as captains, everybody else lines up, and the captains start picking teams. And it's great if you're one of the first ones chosen. It's kind of difficult, uh, maybe even miserable, if you're the last one chosen. But it's really horrible if you don't get chosen at all. Choosing teams is important. And here in John 17, what we're going to see this morning, hopefully, is that Jesus reminds us that on his playground, everyone gets to play. Now, I'm not talking about participation trophy kind of stuff, but you do get to participate. And, and you get to choose which team you play on. And he prayed. He prayed in this prayer. John 17 is just a prayer. And he prayed that everyone would choose the right team. 
and that they would be unified about the team that they were on. And an important part of Jesus' prayer is that he distinguishes between his team and the world's team. On the world's playground, teams are, are all about who's what? Fastest and strongest. If you're playing basketball, maybe put tallest in there too, okay? And, and so it's all about those, those qualities. But on Jesus' playground, those things aren't nearly as important as the condition of the heart. The condition of the heart. It, it's an opposite world kind of playground. And, and so in John 17, Jesus is near the end of his life here on earth. He's kind of toward the end of his life, and and John, his best friend on earth, takes the time to write down and record a special moment of prayer where Jesus prays this special prayer about choosing the right team and the team being unified with each other. So I want to jump in and do something maybe a little bit different this morning. I want to begin this morning by reading through the entire chapter of John 17. Some of you may never have done that. Some of you may have read John 17 so many times that you can almost quote it. That's fantastic. But here's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask uh, Austin, could you bring the house lights down just for a moment, just so we focus on the screen. I'm just going to turn around and read. And as I do, I just want you to kind of try to, in your mind, as you listen to these words, imagine the heart of Jesus praying for us, praying for those that would choose to be on his team. He starts with, after all these things, Jesus looked up into heaven and said, begins to pray, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought you glory. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words that you gave me, and and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those that you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours. And all you have is mine. And the glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but you are still in the world. And I'm coming back to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. The name you gave me 
so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them. And I kept them safe by that name you gave me. None have been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that Scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the, of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they, may, they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory that you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. Such a simple yet powerful prayer that Jesus prays. And in that prayer, I think there are a couple of main themes. The first one is all about glory be to God. You know, in the playground that we grow up on, it's really important to understand where you can play and who's in charge of the particular playground or area that you're playing on. Now, at school, at recess, it's rather easy, right? There's somewhat of a defined playground. You're told that early on. This is where you can go at recess, and you know who's in charge. Whichever teacher's out there is in charge of the playground, so it's kind of easy to to know your space and to kind of keep an eye out and listen for the one. But in the neighborhoods, I don't know about you guys, But where I grew up, in my neighborhood, it was really important to know which yard you could go in and which yard you couldn't go in. Because you know how it is in neighborhoods. There are some people in neighborhoods that love kids. Even if they don't have, if their kids are growing and gone, they just love seeing kids outside. They get excited if they see kids outside. They just want kids to run and play, and it brings them joy. And then there's always 
that neighbor. You know which one I'm talking about, right? That neighbor that won't even let you come in the yard to get the ball that went over the fence. That neighbor that's going to yell at you even if you walk by on the sidewalk out front. That neighbor that's going to start every, th- every sentence with the words, you kids, and everything's going to go downhill from that. It's important to know where you can play. And I love how Jesus in this reminds us that God is in charge of the earth and wants everyone to enjoy his playground. But even with that in mind, there's still rules. There's still ways to get along on the playground. And God wants us to enjoy this life where we're called to give him glory in everything that we do. We're called to give him glory. In Colossians chapter 3, you might want to write this down. Colossians chapter 3 verse 17 is where Paul tells us, whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving what? Giving glory. Some translations say thanks, but it's the same idea. Putting it all back to God. Giving thanks and glory to God the Father through Him. See, our idea of glorifying God seems to be some wonderful, great, pleasant thing if we're getting what we want. (laughs) If He's done something magnificent for us specifically maybe maybe he's healed us maybe we got a job that we want maybe we made a team that we wanted to be on all those things and then in those in those moments yeah give god the glory but what about the morning when you come out and the tire of your truck's flat and you're going to be late to work what about when things aren't going that great whatever you do whether in word or in deed, at all times, give glory to God. I think Bradley was talking about, I, our family's caught up in the Olympics too. I mean, we've, we've literally this week watched the Olympics all across the country as we've been different places. And uh, one of the interesting stories to me in the Olympics is a young lady who actually spent some time here in Kentucky. Her name is Sydney McLaughlin. She ran track collegiately at UK for a year before turning pro. She set the new world record at the Olympic trials, the only woman in history to run the 400-meter hurdles in under 52 seconds. And she did it in the Olympic trials, and she'll be running tomorrow night, and she'll be running for gold. I think it's on Tuesday or Wednesday. And this is what Sydney McLaughlin said when she was asked about that world record time. She said, records come and go. The glory of God, the glory of God is eternal. I no longer run for self-recognition, but to reflect his perfect will that is already set in stone. I don't deserve anything, but by grace, through faith, Jesus has given me everything. Anybody going to watch her and cheer for her tomorrow night? I mean, I get behind a young woman that knows those kind of things. What she knew was also part of Jesus' prayer. What she was talking about there, but by grace through faith is part of Jesus' prayer. If you look back at John 17, look at verse 3. It's a critical verse that we're going to keep coming back to for the remainder of our time this morning. 
It's the bottom line of all of this. In verse 3, Jesus says, This is the way to have what? Eternal life. The ultimate trophy. The ultimate gold medal. Choosing the right team. To know the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Everything Jesus did. Get this. Everything Jesus did pointed to God. Pointed to God the Father. So the first theme, I think, in this prayer is give glory to God. Give glory to God in everything that we do, whether in word or in deed and action. The second thing he prays for is welfare. Now, he prays it for two groups of believers. He prays for the welfare of believers. He starts by praying for those that are around him right in that moment, those, those disciples, those followers, those believers that were there with him, the disciples. But he also, he also prays for those disciples that are yet to come. Guess who that is? He's praying for us. He's praying for us. Did you catch that? When he said in that prayer, he said, I'm praying not only for these people here, but for those who will come to faith because of their message. Guess what? Every one of us who have come to faith came to faith because of the message that was passed down from those original people that were there, Jesus. So Jesus is praying for us. And so he prays for our welfare. And the first thing that he prays, he prays three different parts of that for our welfare. The first part is that we would know God. Jesus prays that we would know God. In verse 6, he said, I revealed to you. I revealed to you. Jesus pointed people to God in his ministry and the things he said in the things that he did. He pointed people to God. Let me ask you a really important question. Who are you pointing people to? Who are you pointing people to? See, we live in a world of rock stars and movie stars and athletes that quite often are pointing the world to themselves, to to their talents, to their success, to their contracts, and everything else. Who did Sidney McLaughlin point people to when she was asked about a world record? She's pointing people to God. Who are you pointing people to? When, when, when you do something that is, that is praised at work, in school, when, when you do something well, even at home when you do something that's the right thing and someone gives you praise, who are you pointing people to? Jesus in verse 6 says, I want you to know God, and I revealed God to you. In verse 8, the cool part about that is I love what he says as he's praying. He, says, he starts saying, God, I, I revealed you to them. And then in verse 8, he says, and they accepted. That's the coolest thing. They accepted. It's a really simple question. Have you accepted Jesus? Because if you have accepted Jesus, you have accepted God. Once again, once again, go back to verse 3. And Jesus said, this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one who sent you. If you know me, you know the Father. If you know the Father, you know me. And it's all about pointing people to God so that they can accept him. 
not just revealing them. That's your part. That's your part to point people to God, to reveal God to people. But just like some of you, most of you, probably a lot of you in this service have accepted him, the individual then has to accept him. Our role is to point people to him. All right? And then he says in verse 9, and I'm lifting up those who have chosen to be on your team. Hmm. See, we have a hard time deciding at times who's actually on our team. Have you wondered that? Now, on the little playground, the little league fields, or even growing up, sometimes it's a little easier because it's the people that are wearing the same jersey that you're wearing. But what about life? See, the team is not determined by the color of your skin. The Bible tells the, the team is not determined by your gender, although there are only two. It's not determined by your occupation or your annual income or any of the things that the world is currently using to separate us. See, we have to ask, are we following the right rules on the playground of life? And are we listening to the one who made the rules? A lot of you know that in college, I was a baseball player. One of the funniest things that ever happened in college is, if you've ever watched any baseball game at any high level, you know, the, when there's a bad call or a wrong call and the, and the managers, the umpires kind of get into it, sometimes it's ugly, but sometimes it's just downright comical. And you've probably seen blooper things of, of different managers throwing their hats and picking up the bases and throwing them and stuff like that. I'll never forget one day we were playing and there was a real really bad call and and our coach didn't like go out and go off but he stepped outside of the dugout and said some things to the umpire about how bad the call was and the umpire was a young guy he was he was probably only in his mid to late 20s he's a young guy and our coach is 60 and and he the umpire yells over the coach coach you need to read the rule book and understand the rules. This is the best moment, one of the best moments of my life. Our coach was able to say, young man, you need to open the rule book and see whose name's inside the cover. He was on chairman of the rules committee. He wrote the rules. <laughs> that was a great moment. I mean, we were just a dot. You know, the world needs to open the rule book. And see who wrote the rules. As you're going through the playground of life, it'd be really important to know who's in charge of the playground, who wrote the rules, so that you can make sure that you're playing life by the rules. The, the deciding factor is, do you know the creator of the playground? And do you understand how much he loves you? And that he created this playground of life just for you. Then Jesus, secondly, secondly, he prays that they would be protected 
from the evil one. I hope you were really paying attention, reading along, listening as I was reading through that. How many times that Jesus talked about protecting them from the evil one? Part of being protected, part of being protected though, is doing our part to stay away from Satan's clutches. You know, one of the things that we learn in kindergarten or, or even earlier is if you touch the stove, you're going to get burned. That's just the way it is. Sometimes if you go to the wrong places with the wrong people doing the wrong things, it's not going to work out right. <clears throat> there are certain places that your parents, your friends, law enforcement, they can't protect you if you're in the wrong place, if you go to the wrong place. It's important if we're going to be protected from the evil one that we're in the right place doing the right things. Because earlier in the Gospel of John, Jesus told us something very important. He said in John 10.10 that there is an evil one whose sole mission in life is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he wants to do to everyone on the playground. He just wants to mess things up. But Jesus in that same passage said, but I've come to give you the best life you can possibly ever imagine. So, so Jesus is constantly praying that his team would be protected because he cares about the welfare of his team on the playground. Jesus, it's, it's the catchphrase a lot that's used a lot. Of Jesus got your six. He's watching your back all the time. Just be in the right place, doing the right thing to the best of your ability. Look at verse 17. Jesus asked the Father, he said, sanctify them by your truth. Sanctify them by your truth. And then he says, your word is truth. It is all the truth. And there is only one truth that the world needs to have. And God's truth, what's this say about God's truth? What will God's truth do? It'll set you free. But you got to know the truth. You got to know that it's real. You got to know that sin caused a rift in our relationship and brought the penalty of death. And that Jesus came from heaven to earth to mend that relationship by paying our sin debt. The joy of his salvation is good news. Amen? That's good news. And then the last thing that Jesus prayed for. And guys, I just got to, we got to pray this. We, we, we got to step it up. This is part of the game that we got to pray. That we would be Unified. Jesus said, Father, help them to get along. Help them to be one. The real purpose, get this, here's why it's so important. The real purpose for us being unified is so that God would be glorified. You, you see... <laughs> We have a state flag that says, united we stand, divided we fall. Let me tell you, we're falling right now. 
And a lot of the falling is happening inside of our team, the church, the big C church, not this church, the big C church, because we're not unified and it's making a mockery instead of glorifying God. Because to follow Jesus' progression, the unity that he prayed for has to be based on the truth that he taught about. So that those that aren't yet disciples might want to become disciples. See, when we're not unified... When we're not on the same team, when we're not on the same story, it, it's like it's like the kid on the school bus that, that comes up and they've gotten they, their coke is flat, and they've taken a drink of the coke and they've said, "Oh, this is horrible! Here, try it." Who would take a drink of that coke? But that's what we're trying to do when we're outside in the world on Monday through Saturday and we're talking down about the big C church and we're not glorifying God and then we're saying on Saturday, oh, by the way, you want to come to church with me tomorrow? Who wants to take a drink of that? See, one of the things that we learn early on the playground is we got to get along and sometimes we got to make choices and we got to choose teams But we can choose the right team and still love those that aren't yet on the team. Do you remember that day on the playground? Maybe for those of you that were the first one chosen. Probably for some of you, there was that part inside of you that had compassion for those that hadn't been chosen yet. That's a good thing. It's God working. Life on the playground can be tough at times. Athletes practice discipline and they work out to put themselves in the best position to compete, to win, to stay safe from injury and distraction. Bradley mentioned Simone Biles. Many of us watched this week as she gracefully, I think, bowed out because she didn't feel safe. You know, it's kind of like I heard somebody yesterday talking about what she's going through. It's kind of like a golfer when they get the yips. If you never played golf, you don't know whether sometimes pro golfers hit really bad shots and they can't get it out of their system and they, and they go into a slump and it's really bad. All of a sudden, instead of hitting down the middle of the fairway, they're in the woods and, and they got the yips and they can't get out of it. And that's one thing if you're a golfer hitting a $6 golf ball into the water. But when you're up in the air spinning around and you can't keep up from down and left from right and where you're going, you end up paralyzed if you land wrong. It's dangerous. Guys, there's a lot of people in our world that are spinning around completely out of control, but they keep going. See, she's the best gymnast in the world, but part of that is knowing when it's not safe. She could have chosen to be reckless and she could have chosen to continue to perform, but at what cost? She might have been able to overcome and win. She's that good. She might have done poorly as she was doing in the practice runs and cost her team. She might have completely lost her balance and ended up paralyzed. 
she stepped aside but she didn't go home she stayed and cheered for the team who bravely i think won the silver medal a bunch of young female athletes won the silver medal and her young teammate suny lee won the gold medal in the individual all around with simone biles there cheering her on see when it comes to life that's the kind of teammate i want when it comes to life in the playground of life if we believe god hears our prayers do you believe god hears you when you pray if we believe god hears our prayers how much more do you think he heard that prayer that we just read the prayer of his son praying for the world praying for you and for me so what that tells me if things aren't answered the way that we want i need to take a look at myself because i know jesus had it right so what are the simple things we need to do to be able to enjoy the playground listen once more to these words of jesus from mark 11 he said have faith in god I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it'll happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe you've received it, it will be yours. Verse 3, Jesus showed us his purpose. That this is the way to eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one who sent you to this earth. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Would you guys stand up with me this morning? If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord, you've got to get on the right team got to get on the right team i want to prayerfully ask you to consider that while we sing right now if you need to do that jason would love to meet you down here at the front bobby will come and talk to you we got people that pray with you come on you 
We sing this out together. All the earth. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. And all the earth will shout.
Just for the first time here today, we're so glad you're here. Our, our team out at the I'm New Wall has got a special gift for you. We hope that you'll stop out there. Uh, if you've been here for a while and you're trying to figure out the next step, Pathways is an awesome opportunity for you to take that next step. Uh, Pathways is made up of three steps. First step is about salvation, accepting Jesus, and becoming a member of the local church. Second step is about uh, discipleship, growing in your faith, and leading others in to that same decision. And third step is all about getting involved in ministry, uh, both in serving and in giving. Uh, and if you want to go back to the next step room, as soon as service is over, Bobby will be back there and some folks that can help get you signed up for Pathways this Tuesday night at six o'clock. If you haven't done all three steps of that and you'd like to come and join us six o'clock, we'll have a Chick-fil-A dinner out in the lobby and then we'll break into the groups. And so sign up for that. And then don't forget, next Sunday, we ain't here. Alright? Uh, it's 10 o'clock, service out at the park. This year is a little different, okay? And first step, we're not going to have the big all-church picnic. We're inviting people to, families to pack their own stuff. We are providing dessert and drinks for after service out there. Maybe life groups want to get together, friends want to get together, all under a canopy, just hang out uh, at the park. Uh, at least we're four years in a row running of Chamber of Commerce weather. So just, uh, that's, that's what we're counting on again next week. But here's the big thing we want you to do. We are getting ready to put up, we've been doing this for a year all over the other places, all over the community with these uh, little food pantries that have gone up everywhere. We're going to put one on our front parking lot. Only Joe has built us like the condominium of little food pantries. It is incredible. So here's the deal. Next week, we need you guys to bring uh, just as an offering, as a gift, bring your regular offerings too, by the way, but bring uh, just some non perishable foods. And I'm going to have my truck uh, parked right up at the top where we worship and just, there'll be a sign and just pile the back of my truck full. And we've got some folks that have volunteered uh, to keep uh, our pantry stocked and things like that. So next week, everybody come to the park for the picnic, bring some non-perishable food items. And until then, let's love God, love people. Let's go change the world. We'll see you next Sunday.